Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1. If you there, you say, Amen. The Bible says in verse 1, I charge you, Therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the gospel, preach the word. Somebody shout hallelujah. And he tells Timothy, be instant in season and out of season. And he told him, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and what? Doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endorse sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap for themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned and two fables. But I told him, but watch thou in all things endure affliction. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. Somebody shout hallelujah. Paul is talking to his spiritual son, Timothy. And he is speaking to him father to son. Instructing him of his purpose and assignment before God. But also going so deep to define to him the consequences of what is expected of him. He tells him, yes, I charge you before God. As a spiritual son, be ready to preach the word in and out of season. In that, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. And he warns him and he says, because a time will come when men will not be able to endure sound doctrine. They will not be able to get a hold of sound doctrine. They'll not be able to sustain sound doctrine. They'll not be able to receive sound doctrine. They'll not be able to conceive sound doctrine. They'll not be able to understand sound doctrine. And the Bible says, but after their own lusts, they shall heap on themselves teachers. They will seek teachers because of their own lusts. They'll heap on themselves teachers. In other words, they'll tune and look and read and you know, go online and watch every uh, television program, every book there is. They'll look for it. But the Bible says they will do it because their itching ears are having a test and craving of things to hear. They'll heap teachers upon themselves. And so it's easy to find a man heaping a teacher and you think, hmm, this man is hungry. Yet he's not hungry. He's lasting. Again, I always tell people, hunger and lust look alike because they have the same response. And the Bible says, because their itching ears will be itching. They'll be itching to speak things that they want to hear. They'll heap every teacher upon teacher. I love this guy because he speaks the language I understand. Praise God. And he wants Timothy, but in the same time also, he tells him, endure long suffering. And he told him, endure afflictions. Because in the time when you'll be a minister, you will be afflicted. You'll be attacked and persecuted. Now, you must understand, Paul has walked the walk. He has served God. He has seen it all. He saw all the persecutions from the onset of Acts 9 when he began to preach Christ. After his conversion, men besought to kill him. Are you hearing me? 
He goes to cities like Lystra and Derby. He's beaten to pulp. And they throw him out of the city, hoping that he was dead. And the next day, he goes to Derby to preach the gospel that got him beaten in the city before. He's accused by his own brethren, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Essenes. They fail to fix him spiritually because they have a God who cannot answer. And they report him to courts of law. And Rome now has to try him. They take him before Claudius Lysias. And Claudius doesn't see anything wrong with the man. He says, I find no fault with this fellow. They want to kill him. His nephew has to warn Claudius. Claudius sends him to Felix. Felix listens to the guy. He says, there is nothing in this guy. He has to be taken all the way. But the gospel has been preached from Cyprus to Crete to Malta. He has to finish in Rome because God has promised him, you must stand before Caesar. You will preach the gospel in Rome. He has tested every kind of testation. In his third journey, which was the last, in Acts 28, 22, he is standing before another group of Jews in Rome. And they're telling him, we desire to hear thee what thou thinkest for us concerning this sect, this cult thing, this movement that you're teaching. He says, for we know that everywhere it is spoken against. Everywhere. Everywhere. Now imagine Paul, who you and I are celebrating, is part of your Bible now. Everywhere they went, they were a rejected sect. They were a denounced faith. They were people that were looked at as fallen and lost and deceived as deceiving. You understand what I'm saying? That's why in one point in Malaments and he says, as deceivers and yet true, as poor and yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing all things. He says, it's almost as though we were the scum of the earth. You must understand that the truth, the gospel, the doctrine he's giving Timothy over comes with a certain expectations. He's telling him, be ready to preach the gospel in and out of season. Because there are seasons that won't favor your doctrine. There are days when your message will not be taken. There are things you'll speak and they'll seem barbaric to those that hear you. And you have the choice to give up and give in and throw in the towel and say, you know what, I think I'm done with this. Or he tells him, be instant. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering, every kind of doctrine. Because a time is coming when men will not be able to endure sound doctrine. And they'll heap on themselves teachers upon teachers. And the Bible says, who will speak things that their itching ears want to hear? And it's so funny. People under the law, religious people, think that that message is for grace preachers. I have been around many. And every time they're quoting that scripture, they're saying, you know, there's this thing called the grace. It's a message. It's a movement. They tell people... So they say that you can do this, you can do that, and it's okay. You know, God loves you. Do anything you want. As long as you're born again, you'll go to heaven. Preposterous nonsense. Things that grace can never preach. The message of grace can never teach a man to sin. It can never be a license to sin. Before even the message came, sin was in the world. The Bible says even before the law, sin was in the world. Somebody shout Hallelujah. So you ask them, why do you say that this is the message that makes men want to hear because their ears are itching? Why do you say that people who listen to the message of grace are the people with itching ears? Why? Because it is so good. And because it is the good news, they think that it has to be the one for which men itch to hear. They think the itching is because the good news is being preached. So there's a presupposition that you know what? Why are their itching ears itching to hear? Because men are so desperate to sin. They want to sin. They're looking for an excuse to sin. So they go to a message that, you know, sort of stirs them even more and encourages more and ministers to the conviction to walk out of sin. And so they are encouraged to continue sinning. And so they think that that's the itching part of a man who sits under the message of grace. Is that so? No. So... When you read Timothy 4.3, many people think that that message, that scripture applies to people 
who are preaching the message of grace. Because they think whatever each is must be so good. But again, they don't understand that this goodness is relative according to the revelation where the man is. If a man is under the law, if you preach the law, it is good for him. It will start the very emotion in his soul that a man under grace would feel of the same stirring when he's receiving the good news. There are people who celebrate the law. They cannot preach without the law. When you preach the law, they stand up and say, talaba. <laughs> preach, preach. Mm, mm. Go deeper. Mm. You got them right there. Come on. Come on now. <laughs> and you have people with pianos. <laughs> Praise God. But tonight I want to explain itching ears. <laughs> I said tonight I want to explain what itching ears are. Are you hearing me? Now, he says... In Matthew 13, verses 15, this is Jesus speaking. He's explaining how the ears itch. He says, for this people's heart is waxed gross. Underline the word wax. And the Bible says, and their ears are dull of hearing. And their eyes they have closed. Now, a dull ear, in this instance, comes because of a waxed heart. These are the ones Paul is talking about. In fact, in Acts 28, he quotes the same scripture when he's talking about the same people because when he preaches to them and they failed to understand the gospel, Acts 28 verses 25, he says, and when they had agreed not among themselves, they departed after that Paul had spoken one word, well spoke, he said, the Holy Ghost by Isaiah, the prophet and two our fathers, he says, saying, Go unto these people and say, hearing you shall hear and you shall not understand. And seeing you shall see, but you shall not perceive. He says, for the heart of these people, he has quoted Matthew again. His works gross and their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes have they closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart. And should be converted and I should heal them. He's quoting the same scripture that Jesus says in Matthew 13 verses 15. Because when he encounters them, he starts to teach them about the present truth. Jesus Christ, his person and how he brings grace as Moses brought the law. The Bible says many of the Jews did not believe him. So we're talking about dull ears. You know in the physical realm that when your ears have wax, what happens? They become dull in hearing, isn't it? But now here he's talking about the hearing of the heart. He's talking about the ears that are attached to the heart. He says their hearts are waxed. And because their hearts are waxed gross, their ears are dull. He's talking about men who should hear with the heart and see with the eyes of the spirit. He's not talking about just the physical ear. He's talking about the inner ear of the heart. For with the heart, a man believes and confession is made unto what? Salvation. The dullness is because they are opposed. They are so established in what they know to be true. That when truth comes, many of them feel that they lose an advantage, a base, a name, a reputation. And for what it costs, they would rather carry their own doctrine and fight for it until the end. That is not the grace ministry. Are we following what I'm saying? No. That's why he wants Timothy. He tells him, look, you have been established according to a certain gospel. You're the one I'm warning. I'm not warning everybody who seems to think that I am warning them because they've read the scripture. See, you can make the Bible say something you want it to say. But what is God saying? And who is he talking to? It's like when he tells the Philippians, because of their liberality and faithfulness in communicating to them, he turns to them and tells them, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. He's talking to a man who are faithful in their liberality of giving. You can't claim it when you're not a giver and say, my God shall supply all my needs because he said, yes, because he said, but underlyingly, are you submitted to the context of the blessing? 
Are you following what I'm saying? So, it is the same thing that you can use scripture to twist it and wrestle with it to suit your state of heart and what you intend to communicate, even if it's not spirit-led. That's called cunning craftiness. The Bible speaks of such men which are crafty in their teaching. And the Bible says, and they lie in wait to deceive the gullible, the simple. They toss babes by every wind of doctrine. There are people who you can tell, Jesus heals. And they say, yeah. I say, but you know, sometimes he doesn't heal. Yeah. And then you're like, you understand what I'm saying? You tell him you're going far. Yeah. Then you tell him you're not going far. Yeah. Then you're like. <sighs> Every wind of doctrine tosses them. They seem to think that everything from the Bible is the same. And everybody who preaches from the word, from the Bible, is preaching the same thing. No, there's a difference. That is why if you go back to Matthew when Jesus is speaking to us, the believers, who understand the message, he says, least at any time they should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. And the next verse says, but blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears, he says, for they hear. And he says, for verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see. But the Bible says, but I've not seen them and to hear those things which you hear and have not had them. You are so blessed that you see and hear those things. If indeed you see and hear those things. You're blessed if you understand the message. Somebody shout hallelujah. Because the prophets of all desired. It was a desire. They hungered to understand the message. I always tell people, if you never understand the message, you will not live a life of victory. Until you understand this message. I'm not talking about the assumption that you do understand. I'm not talking about the fact that you sit around the meeting for long and then Everybody sees you and they're like, oh, I think this person understands it because they've been around this message for four or five years. I think they do. No, I'm talking about people who have the message and have the fruit of that message. Somebody shout amen. Shout amen. And so I get baffled when people say, oh, you know, we tear people who preach the grace. They tell people you can sin as long as the grace is there. You can do anything. As long as the grace is there. And when they say all that, some people come to confirm. So they sit and listen. And then they wait for me to say it. And they don't hear it. And then one day you preach something and they're the ones standing up. Rakataraba! Sokote! You've forgotten why you came. He said, blessed are your eyes because now you see these things and your ears because you hear these things. Somebody shout amen. They think, no, we just get a bunch of people, excite them, and then, you know, hand a little thing here and then, and then people listen. No, people cannot come every Thursday. One year, two years, three, four, five, if you're lying. Somebody shout amen. Ugandans are clever people. And they read. Praise God, they do read. That is why some people's ministries, I feel sorry for them. Because they might, <coughs> I don't want to even say it. Because, you see, it's one thing to start thinking you're the right one. And everyone around you is wrong. Do you know there are people like that? Who stick to their guns until they die. They're so convinced that they're right, even when they're wrong. And they'll never ask. They'll never open their heart to understand these things. But blessed be the Lord. Because your eyes see these things. And your ears hear them. Somebody shout hallelujah. In John chapter 5 verses 46, Jesus makes a very fundamental statement. And he says, look, you people of the law, he says, if you had believed Moses, you would have believed me. For he wrote of me. Why is he saying if you had believed Moses? It means Jesus is trying to tell him, look, the fact that you don't understand me, or believe in the message of grace, then you never understood Moses, neither believed in the message of the law. Meaning you're fighting for what you even don't believe. 
Because if you believed it, if you understood it, would not be at the page of debating grace and law. The Bible says the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Somebody shout hallelujah. He says we would not be discussing these things. We would not be debating on do we balance law and grace? Do we get law and then put a little grace or put a little grace and put more law, or put more law and reduce the grace? And like I said, there's somebody here who asks themselves, law, grace, what in the world is that? Somebody shout hallelujah. He says if you believed and relied on Moses, the Amplified says, then you would believe and rely on me for he wrote about me personally but if you do not believe and trust in his writings he says how then will you believe and trust my teachings how shall you cleave and rely on my words if you did not understand Moses how but you see some understand Moses to please others or claim to understand Moses or try to understand Moses because that's the only way you will go along with a gang right with a whole group of you know if everybody believes this way even if it is wrong, there are people who, by fear of people, they would still believe and go for the wrong thing when they already know the truth. I cannot tell you how many men cannot step here, but call me. <laughs> Man, you bless me. Man, okay, come and visit one day. Uh, 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 I don't want people to see me there. <laughs> I don't want people to see me for narrow. But, but you bless me. Huh? You bless me. Thank God for live stream. But if you deny me before men, I shall also deny you <laughs> before my word. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Somebody shout hallelujah. In Luke, he says, woe unto you. He says, if you please men, if you seek to please men, he says, woe unto you. You are accursed. You know there are people who just live to please. They just live to please. Luke 6.26. He says, war unto you if you seek to please men. There are people who just live to please people. Even when you know what you're doing is wrong, you'd rather do something to please. I love the way the Message Bible says. The Message Bible says that there is trouble ahead. The Bible says when you live only for the approval of others. When you live only for the approval of others, the Bible says there is trouble ahead. Ahead, you'll find trouble. He says, saying what flatters them, doing what indulges them. He says, popularity contests are not what? Truth contests. He says, look how many scoundrel preachers were approved by your ancestors. He told them, your task is to be what? True, not what? Popular. God has not called me to be popular. He has called me to be true. Because fake guys were approved in the past and they messed up history and the gospel. These are not popular contests. These are truth contests. I'd rather be a pleaser of God than a pleaser of man. Somebody shout hallelujah. If the Bible says it, I don't care how many are not on my side. Me, I'm on the side of God and what his word says. Somebody shout hallelujah. Because I've realized something. When you stick on the side of God, he never ashames you. I said he never ashames you. I said he never ashames you. I'll say it one more time. God does not ashamed those who believe in him. Somebody shout amen. Glory to God. There are people who might never want to relate with you. Not because you're a bad person. But because they fear the bigger number. They fear the general sum of what they will think about you when you're among, when you how. You know, it's so funny. If you've been in this place where somebody finds you and says, you also go to Fanero? Put up your hand. <laughs> and then some of you say, uh, I dropped there once in a while. No! You tell them, yeah! I do! <laughs> Somebody said, How did you know? I saw you in a picture. Oh God. That wasn't me. That's what my twin sister. <laughs> no, somebody had just taken me there, but I don't usually go there. But somebody had invited me. Continue denying the truth, yet you enjoy it. 
And some people consume us silently like a drug. And they get high on the message. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God and to salvation to everybody that believeth. Somebody shout amen. I say shout amen. So, when Paul is telling Timothy that they will not stand sound doctrine. To Paul, what is sound doctrine? Grace. Not the law. So don't twist these things. He writes to Titus in chapter 1 verses 9. Give me the Amplified. When he's talking to Titus, he's telling him the expectation of a bishop, a man of God, anybody that qualifies or seeks to qualify to serve in the office of God. And he continues to say, that person must hold fast to the sure and trustworthy word of God as was taught it, so that he may be able to both give stimulating instruction and encouragement, listen, in sound, wholesome doctrine, to refute and convict those who contradict and oppose it, showing the wayward their error. Now the Bible says, for there are many disorderly, listen, and unruly men who are idle, vain, empty, and misleading talkers, and self-deceivers and deceivers of others. He says, this is true, listen, especially to those of the circumcision party. Who are the circumcisers? The lawyers. So why are they putting it on grace ministers? He didn't say those preaching the message of grace. Paul says those of the circumcision party who have come from Judaism because they are imbued in the law. They are teachers of the law. And so they will teach circumcision. Remember before in Acts, he says they are men which had believed later. But when they believed later, they still beheld the doctrine of Moses. And the doctrine of Moses, they said, besides salvation, you have to be circumcised also. That yes, we believe in salvation, but as you receive Jesus, the complete line of salvation is the circumcision of yourself. Then you're born again. That is the problem when you add Christ to the thing. When you add Christ to. You understand what I'm saying? What's the difference between that person and the people who teach of the veneration of Mary? That you say, you know, you have to believe in God, but also you have to believe in Mary. Because if you don't, give her a certain respect, then you cannot go to God. You understand what I'm saying? What's the difference between those ones and the teachers of the law? Those are people who sort of put an art or work plus Christ, then salvation. No. The Bible is very clear that there is no name by which men are saved <laughs> except the name of what? There is no other name under heaven, not Mary, not Peter, not Apostle Grace, not Evangelist So, not Prophet So, not So So. No, it is not Grace Rubeg and Christ. No, it is Jesus Christ. He says there is no name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There is only one name. And that is the name of Jesus Christ. Somebody shout hallelujah. And the Bible says, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality. In other words, you don't need to add Christ plus Grace Lubega. Christ plus, no. It is him and him alone. Jesus Christ. No man of God shed his blood for you. Mm -mm. There's only one man. There's no man of God who has not sinned. Uh -uh. There is only one man who knew no sin. Hallelujah. Who became sin that we being dead and two sins might live unto righteousness. That man Jesus. Only him alone. In Christ alone. My hope is found. He says, he is my light, my word, my strength, and my song. He says, this cornerstone this solid ground from through the fiercest drought and what? And storm. And he says, what heights of love? What depths of peace? 
when fears are still, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, that is him, is Jesus Christ. Herein is that one man, Jesus. We don't add on. Tell your neighbor, we don't add on. It's not Christ plus, no. It's Christ plus zero. Equal salvation. Somebody shout hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. So he says it's those of Judaism. And he said and their mouths must be stopped. For they are mentally distressing and subverting whole families. By teaching what they ought not to teach. For the purpose of getting best advantage and disreputable gain. He says, one of their very number, a prophet of their own, said, the Cretans are always liars, heartful beasts, and idle, and ladies gladdons. And says, and this account of them is really true, because it is true. He says, rebuke them sharply, deal sternly, even severely with them, so that they may be sound in faith and free from error, and may show their soundness by ceasing to give attention to what? To Jewish myths and fables, and to rules laid down by mere men who reject and turn their backs on the truth. Somebody shout hallelujah. They turn their backs from the truth. They turn their backs from the truth. They turn their backs from the truth. The truth is the person of Jesus Christ and his ministry. That is him. He said, I am the way. He said, I am the truth. He said, I am the life. He says, nobody, no man cometh unto the Father except by me and my mother Mary. No, except by me and my cousin Joseph and my, you know, my man of God. No, no, nobody comes to the father except by me. He is the mediator of the new covenant. Somebody shout hallelujah. Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. Nobody else. It's only his blood that speaketh better things. The blood of men is a blood of vengeance. His blood speaks love. His blood speaks salvation. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. Now, he says, okay. Let's talk to you who know the law. Who understand the law. When he's talking in Romans chapter 7, he is talking to them which understand the law. He addresses men who claim to understand the law. People who still cling to say, you know, I need grace here, but I also need the law here. Because if you throw away the law, how can you have grace? He's asking. He's talking to men who think they understand the law. Now let's open verse 1 from the Amplified. He says, know ye not brethren. He says, for I speak to them that know the law. He's talking to men who know the law. Now let's assume they know. Because like Jesus says, they really don't know, but they don't know that they do. Because if they knew, then let's talk to them who know. Let's talk to you who knows the law. He says, brethren, he says, I am speaking to them that know the law. How that the law has dominion over a man as long as he liveth. Is that true? That's true. We all know that the law has what? Dominion over a man as long as he what? He lives, right? And he says, for the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, then she's loose from the law of her husband. If a woman is married to a man and the man dies, she's loose from the law of being married. You can't tell her first divorce your dead husband. Because by reason of that, she's already divorced by reason of death. She's free to remarry without signing any documents. Isn't that so? Huh? Now, so then, he says, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an, a what? an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, the Bible says she's free from the law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, he says, my brethren, ye also, ye also, are become dead to the law by the body of Christ that you should be married 
to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. He said, whoa, did you get it? He says, if you understand this, you'll bring forth fruit to God. Without this, you don't have fruit before God. You don't have fruit before God if you don't understand this. If you don't get this, you will never be fruitful in the things of God. He says, you are also become dead to the law by the body of Christ. That is why many people claim the resurrection of Christ. But when talking about his death, many of them claim of his individual death but claim the benefits of his resurrection. They are one with him in the resurrection, but they're not one with him in the death. Listen, every believer must understand the duality of this experience, the double-sidedness, the double-edgedness of this redemptive work. You cannot sacrifice yourself in only celebrating the resurrected life when you have not understood the death with which he died. Even when Paul is praying, he says that I may be conformed to his death. Because he knows the power of the part of you that died with him. Somebody shout hallelujah. There is a man that died with him. And there is a man that is alive with him. The man that died with him is the old man. Which is after the first nature of the Adamic. Somebody shout hallelujah. So when Paul is praying. He says. That I made fellowship with his suffering. Right. That being made conformable. And to his death. That is saying that I may know him. That's knowing him. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made, the Bible says, conformable unto his death. That means I should conform to his death. That I might see resurrection power in his life. Somebody shout hallelujah. You must be conformed to his death. You must understand the death with which he died. The Bible says when he died, we died with him. If you don't understand that, then the law is still alive with you. Because the part of your dying with him was the part where the law died. It died with the old nature. The new man regenerated in Christ does not know sin. He doesn't understand it. That which is born of God, the Bible says, cannot commit sin. It does not. The Bible says, no one born of God deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin. For God's nature, listen, abides in him. And his principle of life, the Bible says, the divine sperm remains permanent within him. And the Bible says, and he cannot practice sinning because he's begotten of God. That's your spiritual man. That man cannot sin. He does not sin. He cannot. Because he's a new creation. The divine sperm. The principle of God's life is there. And because God's life is there, that man cannot conceive corruption within his spirit. The weaknesses a believer deals with are weaknesses of the flesh, not weaknesses of the spirit man. That man is born again. He says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of the incorruptible word of God, which is the word of God. The incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. The Bible says he lives and abides forever. That word. That's what he says in 1 Peter 1.23. Being born again. Not of corruptible seed. That means the spirit man in you is incorruptible. Somebody shout hallelujah. You're born by the word of God. He says, and that word liveth and abideth forever. That spirit man you can never sin. It's not in his nature. It's not in his knowledge. It's not in his action. It's not anywhere. He's joined with the Lord. He's one spirit with the Lord. That man in you who received Jesus Christ is a hundred percent pure. If you never understand that, you'll never walk out of sin. Because when you understand that the inner man can't, is not a sinner, is pure, 
then you will, by that inner man, by the spirit, start to fight your flesh to subject itself to the reality of the new creation of that inner man. But if the inner man is also as wicked as the man outside, eh, who will help you? Because you're doubly what? Corrupted. Our hope every day, Paul says in Romans, that even though our outward man perisheth every day because of sin, he says, but our inward man is renewed daily. And so he says, if you live by the man outside, the flesh, you will die. If you live by the man outside, you will die. Because you'll do everything he wants. For the flesh is an enmity to the spirit. Isn't it? But if you live by the man inside, the man of the flesh outside will start responding to the man of the spirit inside. And as you do that, you'll start living a life where sin is not your story. It's possible. Somebody shout amen. But see, that's the part they never take. They only take the other part of, they say, as long as you're good inside, you can do everything outside. That's what they say. But that's not what we say. Listen, I repeat. The new man who is incorruptible and born of the incorruptible seed does not presuppose that now God has given you the license to mess the man outside. Rather, the man inside is given that life and strength because God knows you rely on that man to deal with the man outside. So the man outside can now walk right like the man inside. Did you get that? But that's the part they leave out. Now, if I'm taken to the point of fearing them, I'll also say, uh -uh, even the man inside is what? He's bad, like they believe. Says that I can be accepted. No. Let God be true. And every man a liar. We conform to his death. He says, recall ye yourselves dead and to sin. He says, but alive unto God. Why do we understand the man that died? That's the man of the flesh, the Adamic. He gave way for the man of the spirit. The man of the spirit lives after the newness of life. That man is not sin conscious. The man of the flesh is, but the man of the spirit is not sin conscious. Because he's the man from above. He says the first is of the earth earthy. And the Bible says, and the, the second, the Bible says, it is the Lord from above. So that man, the spirit man in you, is godly and he's from above. He cannot, does not, will never. He says the first is corruptible. But the second is incorruptible. That's the man, the new man in you. The inner man. That's the one that is strengthened with might. Are you hearing me? You are twofold. You're not just the physical person they see. The man inside you. Are you hearing me? That is why at one point he says, that which I will to do, I don't do. And that which I will not to do, I do. You understand what I'm saying? He's saying there is a war within me. The inner man, he says, he wants to do what is right. Right? He says, but there's the man outside who is fighting. You understand? Who is disturbing? Yeah? So that which he wills to do, he do with not. And that which he wills not to do. Yeah, that's why he says, for I know in my flesh that nothing good dwelleth there. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but to perform that which is good I find not. But I thank God that he says, for I know that in me, that is in the flesh. He didn't say in the spirit. In the spirit, I'm good. In the spirit, I'm good. That's Romans 7. When he goes in 8, he now says, uh-uh. For now, there is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the life-giving spirit in Christ hath set me free from the law of sin and death. Why? Because I don't walk after the flesh, but I walk after the spirit. Every time I'm meditating, I'm meditating on this man inside me. I bless the Lord that your eyes see these things and your ears hear them. Somebody shout amen. amen. Now let's go back to Romans. He says, 7-4, Wherefore, my brethren, ye also have become dead to the law by the body of Christ. When you say it, I am crucified with Christ. 
Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The part of you that was crucified died with the law in the body. So when Jesus died and you accepted to conform to his death to die with him, it means you are dead to the law by the body of Christ that you should be married to another. The message Bible says, my friends, this is something like what has taken place with you. When Christ died, the Bible says, he took that entire rule-dominated way of life down with him and left it in the tomb, leaving you free to marry a what? A resurrection life and bear offspring of faith for God. That's what you bear. You are married to a resurrected life and now you bear the offspring of the faith for God. The fruit of God is inside you. And he continues in the next line and he says, for as long as we lived the old story, right? The past tense. For as long as we lived that old way of life, back in the day before we were born again, doing whatever we felt we could do to get away with it, sin was calling most of the shots as the old law code hemmed us in. And this made us all the more rebellious. It made us more rebellious. Are you hearing me? In the end, all we had to show for it was miscarriages and stillbirths. Fruitlessness and barrenness. Results could not come through. Why? Because sin was calling the shots as long as we were hemmed in the law. And the next verse says, but now, but now, he says, we are no longer shackled to the domineering mate of sin. And out from under all those oppressive regulations of fine print, we are free to live a new life in the freedom of God. That's what the gospel has done. I don't need, don't steal, don't kill. No, I have the Holy Spirit. He can tell me that. He knows what's wrong. And he can speak to me about it. That this is wrong. I don't need somebody to write things on a script for me to believe. Uh-uh. No, no, no. I don't follow written codes of what to do and what to do. No. I have the Holy Spirit in me. Somebody shout hallelujah. You have a new life in the freedom of God. And that new life directs you to live right before God. Not because the terms and conditions are there. No. But now you serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. Because you're conformed to his death. Let me tell you something. The new man celebrates the life of Christ as the old man celebrated the blood of Christ. Because the blood of Christ was for the remission of sin. But the new man which is in Christ, that one does not know sin. He looks as, at blood as the first step of the fallen man to now allow this new man to live. The new man leads to the newness of life in Christ. The new man understands the life of God. So way. The life which is of God in him. Somebody shout hallelujah. It's not wrong to plead the blood. It's not wrong. But it's better to walk in the life. Do you understand? I'm not against the blood of Jesus. No, we are all here because of the power of that blood. And I'm grateful eternally to God because he shed his blood at Calvary. But God doesn't want you to stone the cross because he didn't stay there. Hallelujah. He did not stay on the what? The cross. So he doesn't want you to stay on the cross. He wants you to transcend beyond the cross and understand the life that you have now received after the cross. I have the life which is of God in me. That life defeats sin. That life defeats death. That life defeats poverty. That life defeats luck. That life defeats evil. It defeats every sort of bondage. Because that is the very life. 
which is within God himself. God would have to cease to exist for you to fail. Somebody shout amen. Say I have the life which is of God. And that is why we bring forth the fruit of God. The fruit of the faith of God. That's why we preach grace. God's grace is his mercy and unmerited favor to live this life. Are you hearing me? In success and victory every other day. You don't need to fail. You don't need to fail. You don't have to fail when you understand this message. How can you fail? You are dead with Christ. Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. He says, I am crucified with Christ. Yet I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, he says, I live, listen, by the faith of the son. He didn't say by the faith in the son. It's already automatic that the faith is in the son. But he says, I live by the faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You live by the faith of the son. That means <laughs> you live by Christ's faith in you because you believed in him. How can Christ's faith fail? I live by the faith of the son of God. I said I live by the faith of the son of God. So then how can I fail when he is in me believing? If I'm laying hand on a sick man, it's not me laying hands on the sick man. It is in him in me laying hands on the sick man. If I'm casting out devils, it's not me casting out devils. It's him in me casting out devils. When I walk to work, I walk him in me. We're going to work. When I do a business deal, I do it him in me. Going to do the business when I'm preaching. I preach him in me. Doing the preaching. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above that which you dare to ask or think according to the working power that worketh in us. Somebody shout amen. amen. Tell your neighbor you're not alone. You're not praying alone. You're not believing alone. You're not going to work alone. You're not in that marriage alone. You're not in that business alone. You're not in that ministry alone. The faith of the Son of God is working in you. Rakatala. Shire brakatolepa. That is the thing that increases the anointing. That's the thing that stars the anointing. Somebody receive it. When you understand the life of God, you don't fast to demonstrate power. No. Sharakata. Power is inside you. The anointing is inside you. When you feel pain in your body, you put your hand on your body and say, Rakataba, get out in the name of Jesus. Why? Because you are living by the faith of the Son of God. You're producing faith and fruit unto God. That is why I decree upon your lives that you are men of fruit. Your women of fruit. Your ministries are ministries of fruit. Your marriages are marriages of fruit. Your children are children of fruit. Your creations are creations of fruit. Your businesses, your careers, they are of fruit. Your vision is fruitful. Your sight is fruitful. Your experiences are fruitful. Your meditations are fruitful. You're fruitful in everything you do. You're blessed on every side. You're blessed going in. You're blessed going out. You're blessed in the city. You're blessed in the country. You're blessed in your body. You're blessed in your vision. You're blessed in your experiences. Your homes are blessed. Everything you do is blessed. Men come to your rising kings. Gentiles come to your light. Strangers serve you. Why? Because you have the life which is of God in you. There is a man who is in you and is born of God. Born of God. He says that which is Born of God overcometh the world. Greater is he which is in you 
than he which is in the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Do you believe it? Come on, just raise your hands and thank God. Speak to God. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my shield. This cornerstone, this solid ground, found through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of
plus and you said today I want only come here and receive him <laughs> if you want to give your life to Jesus and only him right now I want to lead you into a confession prayer 
If you want to receive him as your Lord and Savior, repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I've heard your word tonight. I receive you. Only you. Nothing added. I believe that you died for my sins and was raised for my glory. So I embrace your life and testimony. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest.